Hello and welcome to the Atheist Experience. We're broadcasting live on Sunday, November 26th. I'm your host, Tracy Harris, and with me this week is Jen Peoples. Hey, how are you? Good. Long time no see on the set here. I know. It's been a while. The Atheist Experience is a production of the Atheist Community of Austin, a Texas nonprofit educational organization dedicated to the separation of government and religion and the promotion of positive atheist culture. Uh, and we have a new format where we've been scrolling the, the announcements at the beginning um, pre-show, right. so we don't have to go through all of the announcements, but I do have some links up at the blog already for most of the things you'd want to know about those um, particular announcements and also some links of general interest if you want to go and visit the show uh, blog site. Uh, and also, one special announcement is that November 28th through the 30th, Facebook donations to nonprofit organizations are going to be matched. So if you're inclined to donate to ACA during that period, we'd appreciate your consideration. At the blog right now, we have links to guide you to where you can donate, as well as more information on the Facebook matching program where you can help promote other causes you might like to help support. So if there's something else you want to support and, you know, ACA is not quite your thing, do, you know, pick your good cause and get get it up there on those dates again, November 28th to 30th. Uh, matching donations are a good thing. All right, All right, so you have a topic this morning, or this afternoon, this evening, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, where am I? All right, yeah, so um, sometimes people let their biases get in the way of properly evaluating a claim, and sometimes that that bias manifests as people rejecting a claim they should accept. And other times it, um, it, it shows up as accepting a claim that you should actually be more skeptical of. So I ran across this on my Facebook feed. Someone had posted a link um, to a claim by PETA, the People for Ethical Treatment of Animals, um, that said that vegan poop is the gold standard for fecal transplants. So, without getting too graphic, um, there are some people who require a fecal transplant because they have a bacterial infection or something has in some way depleted their uh, normal intestinal flora. So they need a donor to give them uh, the proper intestinal flora. Um, and it, it, it's it's uh, actually done by a lab. They freeze dry it, they prepare it, it put, it's put in capsules, you swallow the capsules. Don't make your own smoothie at home, that's gross. Um, so anyway, the, the claim is that vegans, for various reasons, have better poop than everybody else. And so um, I, I like going to primary sources, so I decided to do some more investigation here. And what I found is that there's actually um, no real data that supports that. Um, it's, it was actually some speculation by some proponents of vegan diets and a blog post by one of those guys that resulted in this claim. And they even um, made the claim that, that the two labs that are actually um, soliciting you know, donors um, are, are basically asking for vegans to donate. Um, it turns out that's not true. One of the labs 
thanked PETA for basically um, mentioning their lab and giving them some free publicity, but they um, did not actually solicit vegan donors. Um, and, and, then, and in fact, that's not actually how it works. Uh, basically, they choose donors based on a number of variables. Diet is not actually one of them. Wow, I would not have guessed that. They, they're looking for um, a specific uh, bacterial um, count and a specific type of bacteria, and they match that to the patient, apparently. Okay. Because um, it could be that um, you live comfortably with a particular kind of bacteria that would be very dangerous for someone right, uh, right. who's immune compromised or something like that. And so um, your diet is not really a factor in how they choose a donor. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I just, as an aside, I had a friend who spent a lot of time in India, and I remember one time he had some kind of testing done, and they asked, they basically tested for the, you know, feces for some reason, and they said, "Where, yeah. where have you been?" Yeah, <laughs> right, because yeah. there was a lot going on. Yeah, well, and apparently, um, variety is um, a good thing. So eating a variety of foods is apparently a good thing because that promotes like a variety of bacteria. But even depending on where you live can, yeah. can, can have input into what is normal. Absolutely. You know? So, yeah. Absolutely. And so anyway, um, so what they said is that um, one of the, the spokespeople for um, uh, one of the labs said that um, as for whether or not vegans are particularly worthwhile sources, he said, I wouldn't agree too many variables to consider. So... Um, so this is and that's who, in Popular Science. What's it is. In, what is that article? It is in Popular Science. Um, let me get the title of the article here, and it says, um, "Peta thinks vegans should donate poop to those in need." <laughs> okay. There's just one problem with this plan. <laughs> but don't let that stop you from donating. Yeah. If you I live mean, near one of it. the labs, you can make up to thirteen thousand dollars a year donating your Nobody's poop. saying that you have poop that shouldn't be donated. Right. So go And you know what? That. Even if you're rejected as a donor, you know, I'm I'm sure your poops are fabulous and I know you're very proud of them, but you know, so don't feel bad. Yeah. It's it's uh, it's so, an interesting poop discussion. Yeah. And we're about to turn this into a real so, show. So somebody somebody posted this on your page. Yes. Okay. Actually, a relative. Or your wall, I guess. Uh, yeah, a, a relatively. She, yeah, it was on her wall, so right. it showed up on my feed. Um, she's a relatively recent convert to veganism and is um, apparently grasping at whatever uh, things she can to promote this, and she's become kind of an evangelist over it. But you're right. We see this in like tons of areas, right? It's it's a. Uh, yeah. It's. It's not specific. There, there is no... I, I'm not going to say that there aren't certain groups that... I was going to say there is no group that's... But there are some groups that are more inclined to um, promote certain things, you know, that might not be entirely correct. But in all areas and on, you know, on both sides... Yeah. <laughs> you can get crap that yeah. people... I mean, no pun intended, that people think... Uh, is accurate, you know, and, and it, there can be people who have, uh, like we always say, you, you can have the right conclusion for the wrong reasons. Right. And so that can happen where a person is actually correct about something and then, it, and it doesn't really matter insofar as their reasoning didn't get them there. Right. You know, poor reasoning or poor sources or, or lack of skepticism can still result in a right answer. 
just for wrong reasons. Yeah. Yeah, well, and we have recent um, episodes oh, yeah. of this in the news <laughs> where people, uh, they wanted <sighs> things to be true or not true and, yeah. and allowed that need for something to be true or not true to guide their... We did see that, and that was another discussion. thing where it just came down to preferences, mm -hmm. uh, you know, to, to whether or not it was like you saw people doing the same thing based on which side of the aisle, right? Mm -hmm. the, if, the, if you're on the wrong side of the aisle, then you're not telling the truth. If you're on the right side of the aisle, we should believe you, and that's the wrong reason to believe or not believe a person right. is whether or not they're affiliated with you in some way. Um, yeah. I mean, one of the things to take a look at when evaluating a claim is um, whether it's a, a trivial claim or something that's fairly common. You know, if it's uncommon or trivial or, or, or common and not trivial or, you know, and in the case of like, you know, if I tell you I had eggs for breakfast. Yeah, we use that one a lot. Yeah. So, I mean, what evidence do you need of that? Well, some, I mean, here's some red flags that I notice. Like when I, when I open an article and it's saying something that sounds a little bit too good to be true, and I don't like that, that you know, as a, as a matter of course, the red flag, one red flag for me is it sounds too good to be true. Right. So if it sounds a little too good to be true, uh, and I go and I look, and a lot of times I will go and look, if I don't recognize a source... Mm -hmm. um, my first thing that I do is go and see if I can find reputable sources that are reporting right. the same thing. So if you don't recognize a source or if it looks like it's some kind of a secondary or third dairy yeah. <laughs> source, yeah. uh, you might want to just go and check and make sure that this is being um, published somewhere with a better reputation just to, just to kind of get an idea of, of where it's coming from. The other thing is if they don't cite sources. Right. Yeah. If there's no sources cited, so if they're reporting on something, quoting things, and they're not telling you, they're not naming people, they're not telling you where they got this information, where they reached out to, who told them this, where can I go to find information, a study said, or you know, mm -hmm. a recent survey. Um, well, where, where's the link to this survey? Where's the, where's the information on this study? Because there are a lot of things that are published in peer-reviewed journals that are peer-reviewed as crap. Right, so right. they get the peers go in and shred them. So it's not just about you know finding out where it came from, but you want to know where it came from so that you can then, like you said, go and look at the primary source. Let me go and look at this study. What is this? How was the study done? Was it a survey or did they do controls? And the other thing would be uh, is is how was it received? And were there a lot of subjects? Was it 20 people or was it, you know, 40,000? 40, you know, I mean, how many people are involved in this study? So it, there are a lot of factors that can make a big difference. And it could be that a particular study is done and it's interesting and groundbreaking. Mm -hmm. Maybe there was a, something that was found in this study, a correlation that is kind of weird that they didn't expect. And so what that means is more studies should be done, right? We need to corroborate this by testing it again, by looking at these controls, by devising other forms of tests or just repeating it to see if we keep getting this result or if this was the, the multiple, you know, the four coin heads in a row that right. just happens, at, you know, sometimes. So there's a lot of, if you don't see a source cited, if you can't go back and find that study or find that, uh, 
person being quoted or find that citation. You know, a lot of times you get quotes and you go and look it up, and it's like, nope, that's not correct. Yeah. Um, that's a, that's a huge thing. Not naming your who you're quoting. You know, just saying. Um, and, and there are. I, I don't mean to say that just because a person isn't named, it doesn't mean that the quote is discounted. So you have to weigh things, right? So right. there are a lot of times when you have pretty big players with fact check behind them. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean they're going to be perfect. Oh, and I hate that so much, right? Oh, yeah. So you have some great organization with a great fact check team with a great reputation, and then something comes out and they publish something wrong or even egregious on an occasion. And suddenly somebody wants to go back to this incident instead of, you know, the decades that they have been publishing mm-hmm. reliable news. And anyone can screw up. Anybody can make a mistake. A journalist can be given awards, and then you find out he has made the whole thing up. It happens, Yeah. right? But the fact is, larger outlets with fact-check crews are generally going to be better positioned to be reporting factual information. If you can't find it repeated at a, at a good, valid source, you know, if, if you've been convinced that sources that have robust fact-check are not trustworthy and secondary and you know third-hand sources are you've been hoodwinked yeah well and and you know a a really good example of that is the latest or you know the anti-vax thing that's been going on for over 20 years now i mean it was originally um kind of um it really took off when wakefield published that um, study that he did in, I think it was the British Medical Journal or something. Yeah, it was horrible. And so, I mean, that was published in a, in a reputable peer-reviewed journal. Right. And um, several years later, this journal retracted the study. Mm-hmm. And then he was actually, um, Wakefield actually lost his license to practice medicine because of how shoddy the research was um, and how unethical it it turned out to be. Um, And it turns out he had conflicts of interest that he never disclosed, and there were all kinds of problems. Mm -hmm. And yet there are still people who accept that original study uh, without, you know, uh, um, I I guess they acknowledge that it's been withdrawn, but they claim that there was some big conspiracy with big pharma, and they invent all this other stuff to justify what they already want to believe. Right. And so well, we see the same thing with uh, you know the circumcision study, the, the right. circumcision and HIV link, right? And that original right. study not taking into account the religious leanings of particular right. groups that um, circumcise for in, in other in, in in Africa people circumcise more for religious reasons than they do here in the U.S. Right. So we don't think of it as a religious ritual, but if you're involved with religious groups that also have severe sexual restrictions, right, um, you're going to end up with skewed data. So what happened there was researchers in other countries decided to rerun that study where they were. Mm-hmm. And they got such a huge mix of results, right. Right? like all over the map. Some of the results were backwards. Some of the results were, the, were similar but not as extreme. Some of the results were the same. It didn't matter. I mean, it, it right. was it, seeing it repeated was a huge thing. And, and the fact that researchers were willing to repeat that survey to say, mm-hmm. you know, do we see a correlation where I live between circumcision and HIV? Because if it's a direct link, if it's a causal link, it should be the same everywhere, right. and it's not. Yep, and and you know that's another one of those things where you don't really have to think very hard to 
figure out there, there might have been something wrong with that study because in the U.S. we have the highest rate of male circumcision for any, you know, Western um, civilization outside of Israel. Yeah. And also um, one of the highest HIV rates in that group. So, you know, um, obviously if circumcision is, is protective. The other, you know, you know a, the other huge, not even, you know, I don't even know if I'd call it, a, it's not a flaw with the study, but the huge problem with that study was the idea that the, the the underlying suggestion that you should have sex without a condom right. in you know, a country yes. that is ravaged by HIV is just completely yes. unethical. I, don't, I mean, yeah. I, I couldn't believe that. And, and of course, since those studies were published, we've discovered that the, uh, the best way to prevent the transmission of HIV is to have someone on um, the antiretrovirals and- Use a condom. And use a condom. And if you can get your viral load down to undetectable levels, you will not be able to transmit the virus anyway. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't know that, for example, um, condom use is, it's extremely good at uh, stopping the transmission of the HIV virus. Right. And it's better than stopping the transmission of herpes. Mm-hmm. You know, so so your your odds of getting herpes with a condom are you know substantially greater yeah. than your odds of getting HIV with a condom because right. of the way it's transmitted. Right. So it's interesting, and even even with that, it's still low, right? I mean, right. I think condoms yeah. are like fifty percent effective with regards to herpes, and mm -hmm. that, but it's fifty percent effective with a very small transmission rate. You know, as long as you're not having sex when there's an outbreak. Right. But there's a whole lot of information that, that uh, yeah, you can skew information or mm -hmm. there's, there's so many ways to distort information. And correlation causation screws people up so badly. They'll see yes. something that correlates or there's a correspondence between two things and suddenly they, in their head, they, they do the causation, right? Yep. And so I guess the moral of the story is if you like something a lot, that's when you should be the most skeptical of it. Yeah, just check your, don't, don't just throw down a link, right? Don't just yeah. throw out a meme because it feels good. Like make, go and see where, where it came from, right? I had somebody on uh, my wall that I had to let go that came right out and said, I don't care if we're lying about these things because mm -hmm. they're GOP and they're crap and so if we need to lie to, and I'm like, you know, yeah. if they're bad enough, you don't have to lie. Right. If, if something is bad and egregious enough, I don't have to make stuff up. Like, right. I can just show what's there. And if I can't find enough, if I can't find enough to actually demonstrate good reason to be opposed to something, you know, and, and then I shouldn't be lying about it. Right. Well, not like that, but if, if somebody from the other side of the political aisle from me does something that I wouldn't condemn from someone on my side, right? then I'm not going to point a finger at them for doing that thing. Yeah. And so we had a recent case of, you know, someone who was sexting yeah. with a girlfriend. It was horrible. And it was all consensual and everything. She wasn't underage. She was uh, apparently around the same age or whatever, but certainly adult, adult, able to consent to this. They were sexting. Um, some pictures got exchanged. Well, they actually had consensual sex a couple times. Yeah. yeah. And so, and then she decides that because he's a conservative politician that she's going to release these intimate photos 
um, to basically ruin well, his reputation. Actually, it was after they broke up. Yeah, yeah. And so it was just, this was not even a politically motivated thing. Right. It just happened that he was a politician, but the fact is um, she was just like revenge. It was just yeah, it was pure revenge, revenge right? Yeah. And, um, I, yeah, I was, I was really glad to see his response, which was, if you think you can, then go for it, because I think you're about to commit a crime, and she may have. Yeah, and so, so I mean, revenge porn is bad whether it's being used against someone yeah. you don't like or someone you do like. So. Yeah, and for me, the moral of the story is if you're being blackmailed, tell the person to just go ahead and, and let it go, yeah. and then have, try, get them charged with blackmail. Yep. Or sue them for blackmail. I don't know if it's civil or criminal, but yeah, yeah, just you know, make your life an open book and and let that person pay for their crime. Absolutely. Unless you committed a crime, in which case, then you might have to think. Yeah, about it. <laughs> I don't know. If it's a crime, you, that may not be the it's best bad, advice. Maybe. Yep. All right. Right. So we ready? To, We're ready to roll. Yeah, let's take some calls. Okay, so I've been doing a tradition of taking the person who helps us out with the uh, phone screening first. So we're going to go with Hillary. You're on the air with Tracy and Jen. Hello. Hey. Hello. Hi. Hi. How are you? Good. Good. How are you? Great. Okay. Um, so I called about um, Alcoholics Anonymous and an additional program called Al-Anon. And uh, I have family who are very close and are alcoholics, and they go to AA, and they are religious. And um, they've been going for a while, but it's not until, like, recently that I've really, things have escalated and I've become involved more, more and more and found out more. And anyway, um, I started going to both these programs just to see what it's like and I, I couldn't be more shocked as far as being told one that there was they were church affiliated but there wasn't supposed to be religion and then getting in there and hearing nothing but God 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 and I mean just flat out God it wasn't like entity or being it was flat out God and also being like oh, you guys need to donate money. I guess that's a little... It's... You have to donate. So, um, additionally, being there, it was, like, it was so controlled as far as, like, throwing God down your throat and hearing, you know, you have to accept God to enter into this program. You have to, or else you can never be saved. Um, that's or helped or whatever. Yeah, and um, all the rhetoric that was so contradictory saying, you know, we'll hope one day something help us, but until then we have to accept this. It's like, wow, God's not really that powerful then, but didn't say that. Um, um, and it so, was so sick. <laughs> so I, I guess my question is, are, are you going to the AA meetings because you're an alcoholic or were you just going to... No, no, Okay, so just... To understand I, so, right there's aa and i went to support someone okay so it was clear that i wasn't the, the alcoholic i was just supporting somebody okay but there's okay. also an additional program called al-anon and it is for victims of alcoholics drug users right bad situations and it couldn't have been more controlled or as thick as the aa as far as throwing god down your throat yeah so well, I mean, AA is explicitly religious. 
I mean, that's yeah. in there 12 steps. You basically have to um, acknowledge that you're powerless over your addiction and you have to appeal to this higher power. Um, right. My, my real problem with AA is not that, because I think if people are religious and they want to use a religious program, I don't think the religion adds anything to it, but, you know, I guess that's, that's their choice. My problem with AA is that it, is, it doesn't work. Right. I mean, it's it, not helping one of those people. Well, no, I mean, it and literally, they don't release numbers because, you know, they claim confidentiality and everything, but for people that have done oh. some examination of their, like, treatment numbers, it's actually worse than, than if people don't go to any treatment at all. Well, it is. And what is even worse to me is talking to some of those people is, they will sit there and say, oh, this person has five years mm-hmm. being sober. But uh, one of my family members was their buddy or whatever. And mm-hmm. it was, they were both drunk. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, how can you have five years? But here you are plastered in front of me. I mean, you're not sitting it. You were plastered. And I'm like, Wait, what? How's this five years? No, it's not. No. Well, I mean, and I reported it, it, but it kind of went under the bus. Well, the thing is, it sounds like that particular AA chapter isn't being run with the strict AA guidelines. But even if people are, are running this, you know, strictly according to these Alcoholics Anonymous guidelines, um, it really doesn't work. If you find somebody that's been sober for five years, they did all the heavy lifting to stay sober for five years. The AA program didn't help them. Yeah. You know, and I know a lot of people like to kind of, you know, they fall back on the, the whole, you know, I have this support group and everything, and there, there's a lot to be said for that. But as far as the, the whole 12-step program, it's, there's not anything behind that, that the documents that that's effective. Basically, people quit drinking or quit using drugs when they are ready to, to take that step and they take responsibility for it and they do the work. And they get, and they get the proper treatment, basically. So I guess my question is, are you simply reporting on this because this was an experience that you had and you wanted to sort of let people know, or is there a question in here as well? Well, there is, I mean, yeah, kind of experience I've had, but also, I don't know, my sister, she's really, really intelligent, smart, and she actually does give me better resources any day of the week as far as helping a person, you know, in any kind of way, especially with our alcoholic family and doing these things. But, you know, it's like the alcoholics don't really want to listen to that as much as we've done multiple interventions. And it's like there is better information. So why, I mean, why can't, the church accept it or take it. I mean, it's not even religious anti-base. It's like, you know, how to better diet yourself and better live yourself. So, I don't know. It's it's like there is a little bit more information than they let on, but I literally went to these meetings and they flat out said, there's no more information. There's no help. There's nothing else. They they literally hit the, the brake pedal so fast, it was like, what? <laughs> what if you brought the information in? Yeah. Yeah, and I thought of doing that. Um, 
it's just I'm trying to be careful about, you know, talking to about it because it's like no matter what you do, you go there and it's like God, 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 God down the throat. But, yeah. Um, Does your sister have any other, are there any options? I mean, I guess that's the other thing is, is there anything else that she can do or go or any other groups that are less religiously oriented in the area? No, around here, it's nothing. It's too sick. Okay. Um, we have um, done an intervention and said, no, you need to go to an actual program. But um, the unwillingness to want to do that is too hard to fight. So, um, but it's like, I don't know how many times if we talk to these people, nothing, but the church says something and it's, you know, okay, go. So does your sister listen to you? Yeah. Okay. So you could show her that information even if you didn't take it to a meeting. Yeah. Well, my sister is the one with better information. So. Oh, okay. So, um, yeah. She has better information for our alcoholic family. So. Okay. But, yeah. So, I don't know. I just, I'm at a loss. And recently an alcoholic in my family went to jail. And that threw my stress level through the roof because I had to help out with that. And... So why did you have to help out? Me. Why did you have to help out with that? Uh, I had to take care of the dogs. And it's like I feel compelled to lie for this person as they are um, family, but I'm tired of lying too. So but why do you have to lie for them? They want me to, basically. And I've just come to the point where I've... You know, I'm, I'm ready okay. to tell them. So I they're not out of the I'm closet as far as their like, addiction. Is that correct? That they're, they're not out? Kind of, they are, but they want it to look better than it is. Okay. So they're asking you to help I, them minimize the impact yeah. of addiction. Okay. So you can stop that, you know? Yeah. I, I would say if it makes you uncomfortable, you can just refer all inquiries to whoever, you know, the person who's got the problem. I would just say, yeah, I don't know. You'd have to ask them. Yeah. <laughs> you want to know how they're doing, it's, it's, ask them. Yeah. Yeah. And I have done that, but even then it feels like so heavy burden. So, I don't know. I just, <laughs> I wanted to talk to somebody who wasn't sitting there and saying, well, you accept God and God will help you. <laughs> yeah. no. I'm not sure that we're much help here. I mean, I mean, what I would I know, I know. what I would tell you is um, stop covering for them. I mean, if you feel like that's a burden, then stop doing it. Yeah. yeah I mean, I know that. Uh. I know it's probably easier said than done, but basically you're enabling, you know, a little bit of their behavior here. There's nothing wrong with just telling the person, look, I feel bad because I feel like I'm lying to people for you and I, I'm not comfortable lying, but I'm not going to tell them your personal stuff. So if somebody asks me, I'm just going to tell them they need to ask you if they want to know how you're doing that I got nothing. Yeah, and that's what I'm, I'm coming to that, but it's yeah. so hard to talk to certain people and look at them. <laughs> Sometimes you know. we have to have hard conversations. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you've got to have boundaries and you have to enforce them or else they're not boundaries, they're preferences. Yeah. That's, yeah, like you said, then, then, so. Um, it depends. I think the more you do it, the easier it gets to do it. 
it, it, yeah. it may feel hard to do, but once you do it and it's done and you just keep referring back to it, like the person comes back and says, can you just lie for me this one more time? And you say, oh, remember that other conversation? Still there. Yep. Still in place. And you can just, once it's like once you have that hard conversation, you don't ever have to have it again because you can just keep referencing it and reminding them we've already had this conversation. Yeah. And it's empowering. That's true. It lets you know that you can have those conversations and that you can put up a, a boundary and that you can enforce it and stick to it. Don't cave on a boundary because that's a signal yeah. that you <laughs> that you that you cave. So, for what it's worth. All right, I think we're going to go ahead and move on to another call. Thank you for your call today, Hillary. Yeah, thank you guys. Best so of luck Thanks. with your situation. All right, bye-bye. Yep. Bye. Okay, and then we have um, someone, should we just go to number five? Is that cool? Yeah, that's cool. All right, cool. Well, let's take that. So, hi, Diana, you're on with Tracy and Jen. Hi, Tracy and Jen. Hello. Hi. Thank yep. you for calling. Sure. Um, so I'm calling because I uh, I'm I identify as a Christian mm -hmm. and my 23 year old son does not mm -hmm. and uh, so he's been listening uh, mostly to Matt but he listens to you guys too says you're good <laughs> and so I did some YouTubing of Matt and we kind of made a deal that uh, I would call in and talk to you and he would be willing to come to talk to my pastor for a little bit. Okay. And maybe we would okay. learn something. So can I, can I, I just ask, what does your son, does your son identify? Does he self-label? Um, I, I think an atheist, although um, in listening to Matt's definition and my son's definition, I, my definition of an atheist is one who denies the existence of God while an agnostic doubts the existence of God. What if a person doesn't and, believe a God exists? Well, that's an atheist. But that's... don't believe him. If, I, if right. you don't believe a God exists, that doesn't mean that you believe no God exists, right? Do you understand that, the difference? So we don't believe a God exists. That right. Doesn't mean so, for example, if I have we the example that we give sometimes to help people understand this concept is that you have a big glass jar full of gumballs, and someone comes in and makes a claim that the number of gumballs in the jar is an odd number. Now we don't we don't have any reason to know why they would think that, and so the question would be, do you believe them that the number is odd? If we don't have any good reason to believe them, then we would say, no, I wouldn't believe the claim that there's an odd number. But that does not mean that I'm asserting that the number is even, right? It means right. that and that I, would make you an, an agnostic, right? But we just know. said that if you don't believe a God exists, that you would feel comfortable saying that's an atheist. Yes. Right. And so if the claim is, does a God exist, and the atheist says... I don't believe that claim because there's not sufficient evidence, then that does not mean that the atheist is asserting that the number is even. It just means they're not accepting the claim that it's odd, right? So this... And, and to me, and this is just, you know, to me, my definition, my son always teases me about my definitions. To me, that's an agnostic because you, you don't believe that there right, but, a God. But, okay, but agnosticism... Is, is not related to belief. It's yes, about knowledge. It's about knowledge. Right. Gnostic is, is, it means, you know, knowing or not knowing, right? So agnostic and gnostic is about knowledge, not beliefs. Whereas atheism mm. and theism are about beliefs, 
right? Asking a person what they believe okay. is different than asking them if they believe they also have knowledge of something. Knowledge is simply a, a subset of belief that is like a higher confidence level where you think that you would probably not be incorrect about it. You can believe a thing without and acknowledge that you're not um, as certain as you could be about it. Well, I guess that would make him an atheist because he doesn't necessarily believe that there is a God. Okay, right. And and to his credit, I mean, I have no proof. And I even told him when I called, I I have no proof. You won't be able to convince me otherwise, and I probably won't be able to convince you otherwise. Yeah, not without proof. Because, yeah. <laughs> I would say that without yeah. evidence, it's going to be hard to convince us of much. Yeah, I would agree. And it's just that... Most of my belief is belief is based on uh, anecdotal things that I have felt that I feel. Um, Why do and, your feelings? What what do your feelings? How do you connect your feelings with your belief in God? Um. Well, for an example, you might call me crazy, but, uh, and, and it is a comfort thing. It's a comfort thing to many people. I I feel like I've believed in God uh, since. I'd been aware of myself um, going back to four years old or earlier. I don't feel like I've ever had a time in my life where God was not with me, which is not to say I haven't had some horrible times because I have. Um, but even then, I was going through horrible times, but I never had the feeling that God had left me. Okay, so here's a question because this is difficult for me to follow. You said you had a feeling that you believed in God from the time that you can remember, right? So I don't know what a feeling of believing is, but I'm going to say that let's just call that you had a belief in God. You accepted the claim a God exists as true from as far back as you can remember. It's, it's like it's part of my core. That's what I mean by feeling. When people say I identify as this or identify Well, beliefs that. are part of our identity, right? I mean, the things that we believe yeah. are part of our identity. And so when you say that you believe a God exists and that you've, you've identified, you know, even if you didn't know the label, you identified as theist from as far back as you can remember. So a person identifies a certain way can a person identify a certain way and, and still be wrong? Could I be, for example, identifying as someone who believes that Bigfoot exists and ever since I was little and saw it on television, I've believed it. And can Definitely. I believe it? And I could I, be I wrong about it. Find out, yeah, I'll find out when I die, I guess. Will you? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I don't know either. <laughs> I, I don't know that you will find out when you die. So I guess what I'm trying to get at here is a feeling that uh, of something being true we know is not evidence that it is true because people feel many times for example some people feel their spouse is quite faithful and their spouse is cheating so feelings of what's true really don't inform us about what is actually true correct true however oftentimes those feelings about the cheating spouse are true. <laughs> but aren't those feelings, shouldn't they be based on evidence that the spouse is cheating and not just accusing them without evidence? And, and most of the time, I, I think a lot of the time they are, they're based on, they don't know their spouse is cheating. They just 
feel they are because their spouse, you know, keeps working late or their spouse keeps going off the weekend. Right. So what you're saying is they start to experience evidence that aligns with the idea that they're maybe not being honest, that they're spending more time away from home than they used to, things that correspond to cheating. And so and, they... And for me, for me, okay. dad, for example, I mean, when I had my... I, I married an atheist. I'm not, you know... <laughs> He was an atheist when I married him, but he was a very good person. And we talked about uh, religion and raising the children, and, and he respected my beliefs, and I respected his. And um, when our first child was born, you know, I looked at this new infant in front of me and said, this is a miracle that all we can basically do nothing, not pretty much nothing. What and do you mean we can do nothing? We have sex, right? That's all. That's it. <laughs> Right, but you do understand how sex results in procreation, is that correct? Like, I mean, a rat can procreate. A yes, cockroach exactly. can procreate. Is yeah. that a miracle? Yes, to me it is. Okay, it is so Ebola bacteria pro propagating and hurting and harming tons of people, is that miraculous to you? Um, I think miraculous things are good things. Um, so what is it I called when Ebola is is like breeding in your gut and killing you? Well, um, it was explained to me once like this, and it kind of makes sense. And, and I explained it to my son, but he didn't buy it either, and you probably won't. <laughs> but it's kind of like a teacher in a classroom, right? And the student stands up to the teacher and makes fun of the teacher. And the teacher says... Okay, fine. You, you teach the class and you see what you can do. And he doesn't just throw the student out, right, saying, you don't believe, go. He says, you take a try. And people listen to him and they see that, you know, the student is wrong. And, and it's... Okay, well, show me where I'm wrong. Where is the... How is Ebola breeding not a miracle, but you having you breeding is a miracle, and a rat and a cockroach breeding is a miracle, but Ebola breeding is not a miracle. I I think there is evil in the world. I I didn't ask that. I asked why is some procreation miraculous, and other procreation you say is not don't seem to categorize as miraculous. If it's harmful, does it matter who it's harmful to? Um, like if, a, if yeah. there's an insect, for example, that uh, lays its eggs inside another insect and those eggs hatch and eat that, uh, the, the live insect that is like the victim of that, is the insect that bred, that is the victim miraculous, but the insect mm -hmm. that breeds that, you know, eats the other insect is not miraculous, it's evil? No, to me that's all just circle of life. So, okay, so now it's not, okay, I, so I'm... What's, what's not circle of life a, about all this other procreation then? Well, it, it is it is kind of circle of life, but it's also miraculous. I mean, I read about how, you know, how babies form and how their skin, okay. you know, forms around and how spina bifida occurs because the skin doesn't cover the spine. And, and it's just all these, the, just the, um, I don't know, statistics, the probability of everything happening okay. the way yeah. it does. So are you saying that a, that a baby born with a spinal disorder is a miracle? Yes. Okay, so yes. miracles can be harmful, right? They can be not, they can be not what humans would call perfect. How do you tell the difference between something that's a miracle and something that's not? 
I guess, you know, and this will sound weird too. <laughs> I was going to say, I guess the, the positiveness, the love, the, you know, it, if it causes horrible, horrible things for everything around it, um, I, I, I have a hard time calling that a miracle. If I drive to work, is that a miracle? Um, in a way. <laughs> okay, in what way? But that seems, it, well, in a way, it's a miracle for the human body, but in a way, it's not. Can you explain why the human body is a miracle? Like, what is it about the human body that you think requires divinity to explain? We did nothing. What do you mean, we did nothing? Humans. Humans did nothing. Humans I mean, did nothing? Yeah. I don't know, understand what you're yeah. saying. What does that mean? Um... I, I mean, for a car, we built the car, right? So you're driving the car to work. I'm very impressed. I'm very impressed with the human knowledge that went into that. Yeah. And I think the human knowledge is a gift from God. The ability Why? to do all of these Why things. do you think human knowledge is a gift from God? Because I mean, man didn't create it. So anything man doesn't what? create is a gift from God? Oh, kind of, yeah. So the vacuum of space is a gift from God. What is that gift? I mean, I, I guess I'm trying to figure. Okay, so if a, yeah. what what makes you think that God is involved in any of this? Uh, Besides the feeling, which we've already agreed can be wrong. Well, and the probability, perhaps. Of What's the probability? The, I mean. We're the only planet, right, that we know of. I'm not saying there aren't any others out there. They could be discovered. And I do agree that, you know, in ancient times, people assigned things to God. And as we got more knowledge, we learned that, okay, that isn't really God. That is due to this. Right. And I, and I can accept that. And I'm like, well, yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I, I trust some, you know, some science, most science I okay. trust. All right. Um, I don't think that science and religion are exclusionary, um, but I'm kind of like the opposite of of you in the way that if I if I don't have the proof <laughs> that it isn't from God, then it, it seems more like it's from. I mean, if so you believe it, things without proof, whereas I believe things with proof, or let's call it evidence, right? So you believe things without well, evidence, and, and you find that to be somehow better. And not only that, but you just described I, I the God of I the gaps. The God of the what? The God of the gaps. But what the God of gaps is, I what mean, Jen is referring to, is the idea of assigning God to things you can't explain, right? So I don't have an explanation for this, therefore God is responsible for it. And that is not reasonable. It's not reasonable to say, I don't know what causes this, so I'm just going to say that this causes it because I don't know. And I wouldn't say that I do that with everything. Just what things that seem like too improbable to. Well, wait, wait, wait. How do you how do you determine when something's too improbable and it has to be God versus when, you know, you're just willing to withhold well, judgment? Well, everybody, everybody, you, I, everyone has, you know, like Matt was talking about reasonable beliefs, and I suppose reasonable is subjective, right? <laughs> what is reasonable? Well, no, you can actually you can actually go through logical steps to uh, like connect your reasoning in order to show 
how you drew a conclusion from premises, right? So you have these premises that you start with, these realities that you start with, and then you have to link them in logical ways in order to come up with a logical conclusion. That would be reasoning, right? I and, don't and think if you, that God is necessarily logical. You what now? I don't think that God is necessarily logical. Then it's not reasonable yeah. by definition. I mean, but you, what and, you're basically and, saying is you're defending an unreasonable belief. Well, and well, here they they say that love is sometimes not logical, right? People love people. Cor yeah, correct. Emotions are definitely not something I would classify as as logical. Right. So, I mean, there can be things that exist and that are not necessarily logical. Right, like people that call the show and give us unreasonable arguments. I mean, there's, there's definitely, you can be illogical. I'm just simply asking if when you're trying to come to a conclusion about what's true and not true, whether or not n not using reason and not using logic is, in your opinion, the best way to determine whether or not something is correct. And I think that's a dangerous mode of thinking to say that... There will be, there will be times where... I, I mean, I do. I pray to God. I ask God for things. I talk to God. And I, there are things that I'm, sometimes I think he puts things into my head. I do. Call me crazy, but I believe it's from God. Why do I believe it's from God? Because I asked him, because I wanted him, because I don't think I would have come up with it on my own. Right, but you have no demonstration of this God. Like, I still, to this moment, don't know what it is. Like, what are you believing in? What are you even calling God? Like, what is God? Um, I guess God is, I don't know, God is love. God is... Which you just said is uh, not logical. Well, but she's not saying God is logical either, though. Well, that's she's not true. making that claim. That's so, true. Um, okay, so you think God is love. Okay, love is an emotional response. It's created through brain chemistry. We have a pretty good understanding of, of you know, the chemicals involved. Um, are you saying that this is... Is this love is a commandment. You are to love your neighbor. In the Bible, and it is a commandment, correct. But you, love is also a, a chemical reaction in the brain that can be measured and understood, right? Uh, sometimes you treat your neighbor, even though you don't like them very much, you treat them with love and respect and um, because that's what we should do. And I, and I think atheists agree with that. Also. Right, but this has nothing Not to do with what I'm talking about. You were saying, we're trying to get to what are you calling God? And your first response was love. And I'm asking about love insofar as it is understood as a chemical reaction or response in the brain to certain inputs. Is that yeah. what you would call God? Mm, no. Okay. Because I don't think it's the scientific, I mean, I know that there is the human emotion of love, but I think God's love is bigger than that. What would, but we don't know what God is yet. So we're still trying to nail down what is God. So let's try number two. Is, is God anything else that we can examine? Um, well, they say God is perfect, right? So it, when you believe in him, you'll, humans are not perfect. No one is. So, and when you believe mm, in him... Okay, wait a minute. I'm getting off track here. That's an attribute, all right? So I'm not talking about an attribute like God has dark hair or God has wings or... 
I'm talking about like what is it when we're talking. So for example, if I have um, glasses, I don't know if you can see your screen, but I've got a pair of reading glasses. If I'm referring to these reading glasses, um, I can talk about what they are, right? So they're plastic frames, they're you know glass plastic lenses. Um, you, you put them on, you see through them, and I can actually yeah. demonstrate the referent by holding it up and showing it to people or handing it yeah. to somebody who's blind. They can. Um, it so be defined like that, though. Well, well, what can it be defined like? Like what? When? When? Um, if you were going to tell somebody who didn't believe in God what it is that we're talking about, we're going to have a conversation about God, and I say, okay, so what are we talking about here? What is it? More of a a spirit. Uh, What's a spirit? A spirit. It's he's. He's everywhere. He's nowhere. You know, he's he's out in the air around us. He's watching us. He's in. How would us. we detect that? Um, well, one of the ways <laughs> is to ask God into your heart. Right, but feelings we've already yeah. said do not indicate truth. So when we're talking about a spirit, what what are we talking about? What is? A, give me an example of a spirit that I can relate to. I don't think we can relate to spirits. Uh, so that if we can't relate to them, in what way do they exist? I mean, they're beyond our human comprehension. We, then, we have no then how idea. can you believe in it? Well, I, I guess my question is, how does it existence is manifestation, right? If something doesn't yeah. manifest, we generally do not say that it's existent. It's I say it's it's a feeling. It's around us. It's a spirit. It's a Feelings we've already were not a good measure of how to tell if something is true. You're saying it's around us, but I'm trying to figure out in what way it's around me, right? Like I, I don't understand. Well, you have to, you have to let it in. You have to want it and ask for it and let it in. Again, that's a, that's an emotional. What is it? Path. <laughs> yeah, and God, God's spirit, God's love, God. He loves you anyway, whether you let him in or not. I mean, that's yeah, no, Christians have told that, us this. Yes, what I've heard that. What I'm curious about, though, is do you even know what it is we're talking about? Like you're using words, and then when I'm asking you to define those words, you're you're having difficulty defining the what is a spirit. What is a spirit? Spirits in the air around us. Um, yes. In what way is it in the air around us, and why wouldn't we be able to detect it if it's actually existent? Um, I mean. Electricity, right? Yeah, around yeah. us, you can detect yeah, that. Yes, we can detect electricity. Yeah, you can measure it because we put a light switch on, right? We don't. Well, no, there's other light. ways. That you can measure electricity yeah. using gauges that measure electricity. We can measure it in a, you know and, neurological there settings. There was a time. There was a time when it was around us where we had no tool to measure it. And so, does that mean it did not exist? Well, no, because if, if you got hit by lightning, you knew electricity. Right, existed. it manifested. Right, it manifested to us. In other words, nobody could deny. That, how do you know that lightning strike wasn't God? There's no There's, reason yeah. to believe that it is. We it's know a lightning how lightning strike. works. So here's the thing, right? We see a lightning well, strike. Why would there be reason to believe that it was electricity before we had the tools? Well, electricity that we applied to that particular yeah. form of energy that we encountered, right? So nobody's denying. Everybody agrees the electricity is there, that the lightning struck. But when you're adding something to it, when you're saying God sent the lightning, that's where I'm looking at it going, well, I saw the lightning strike, but I didn't see the God. Right? I didn't really see any manifestation of God. The, we don't have the tools in our world today to measure it. Then why would you believe that it exists? 
For the same reason, I would believe that electricity existed before You can they experience it, because it, it will definitely knock you on your butt or potentially kill you. And see... And religion has knocked many people on their butt. No, many people. It has never been demonstrated to knock anybody on their butt, right? Electricity has never been... there. We do not disagree that the lightning strike occurs. You want to add something to it for which there is no there is no manifestation. There is no reason to say that it exists. You oh, there have there have been reasons. There are people who have died and seen the white light, right? That could be something in their brain. I'm not saying that it's not. Right, it yeah. could. And so why would you attribute it to a god when you know it could be something in someone's brain? Why would you reach for this other explanation when there's a perfectly reasonable explanation right in front of you and one that can be tested? I don't, I don't reach for that explanation in that particular case. I, I don't know. But it seems odd to me that a lot of people have this experience and they come back and they talk about it. And, and they talk about, I mean, people talk about being filled with the spirit. I know a show I listened to by Matt, you know, you talk to... You know, you listen to music and it gives you, you know, certain feelings or orgasms. Yeah, things, yes. people have emotions. Yes, no doubt about it. I agree with you 100% on that. People have emotions. Watched Mo two atheists just just about a month ago in, in what is it, uh, in Philadelphia, talking about their near-death experiences. And, and a lot of people who are religious, any religion, their religion gives them feelings like that. They can, people that go to religious ceremonies and rituals do have feelings. Yes, I, I don't doubt that they have feelings, but we've already established that feelings are not a basis for truth. Just because I have a feeling doesn't mean I know why I'm having that feeling, right? Ask anybody that's got a phobia. Just because you have a feeling doesn't mean you understand it. When you start attributing these feelings to supernatural causes, um, that's when I have to wonder why you're reaching for a supernatural cause for chem brain chemistry that can be mapped and understood. And, you know, you have a, a line, right? You either believe it or you believe it. And sure, that's if, true. If you, do, if you do believe in God, you know, what harm what harm does it do? I don't know. Ask wanna... ISIS. You know, I mean, seriously, there, there's been a lot of harm historically and even, even in the present day that's coming from religion. Can you say well, what harm is there from belief? Yeah. I don't know that. I, 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 don't, I don't agree with that. I mean, much harm can come from atheists, too. They're just, they're evil people. They, they say it's for their religion. Um, so the point is that, you know, people are good or bad, whether they have religion. religion. That's true. Yep. Okay. But in my, in my religion, I have, I grew up um, a Navy brat. So we moved every one to three years. And my parents, my, especially my mother was very religious and they insisted I go to church. And if I didn't want to go to church with them, when I got into middle school, high school, I went with my friends, you know, they were okay with that as long as I was going. And so I went to many different churches uh, of many different religions and even within you know a methodist church to a methodist there are vast differences a lutheran to a lutheran they're not all the same not all muslim christians are the same sure i agree right um so so when i say christian i may have a different um view of what a christian is than when you hear christian well you know what um, i mean 
um, both Tracy and I are former Christians. Right. And I can tell you that if you poll almost any Christian, almost everybody's version of Christianity is a one-off. Yeah, that's true. I mean, and you would think that if there's an actual God that's directing this, that this entity would make sure everybody had a common understanding of what that meant. But that doesn't happen. Even within the same well, denomination, as you noted, there's vast differences in, in how people perceive this. Yeah, the closer that we get to truth, the more uniform beliefs should become. Right. And that's what's even more miraculous is that all these people on earth and all of us are, all of us are unique. Wait, so, so the discrepancies are, are now evidence that the God is real somehow because... That if I said that there was an event that occurred and everybody who saw it had a different accounting of what had happened, would you say that that was great and like a really good miraculous thing showing that that event occurred if we all had different versions? I wonder what happened. What if some people were saying that they were there and nothing happened and some people were saying I was there and this is what happened and some people were saying I was there and, you know, this totally other thing happened and... I mean, it, I would the, say I have no idea what really happened. Yeah, but, yeah. But the Bible tells us that He created each one of us unique. Right, but each of you has a unique idea of what the Bible's telling you, and each of you has a unique idea about the what the God thing is that you're looking at, and so there's no uniformity there. There's different testimony. Well, he gave us free will, right? He gave us free will to decide what we want to. Free will does not does not result in like varying accounts of of something that should be the same. If this thing is there and it's detectable as you claim it is, that a Christian who lets God in can detect it, there should be no discrepancy. There shouldn't be sex, right? There shouldn't be, I mean, S-E-C-T-S. There should not be like brands of Christianity. Everybody should be receiving the same relation, shouldn't they? Why would God well, tell two people two totally different things about what he wants? Why would he tell one church to accept a uh, you know, gay pastor and another church that they should hate homosexuals or at least you know, not support them and be against them and consider them an abomination? Why is, why is it so confusing? He is telling the church that. I think they're coming up with that on their own. Well, how do you know this? How do, you, how do you check it? Like, how do I check it? I've got one person telling me that God says love gay people, and I've got another person telling me God says to not love gay people or to at least not to support them. And I've got both of them saying that neither of them is speaking for God. And so I'm sitting here looking at it, and I'm saying, well, I'd love to confirm this with God, but I don't even know what God is. Well, my view is that God is love. God is love. And so if somebody is espousing a view that is not loving... Why would you talk then, to love? Yeah. Like, I don't get this. If, if you believe that God is love, what, what, why would you talk to, is it like, I assume it's your own emotion and emotion, the, that emotion in other people. What, what is it that you say to your emotions? What do I say to my emotion? Uh, yeah, because yeah. I don't talk to my emotional feedback. I don't pray to it. Oh, oh, wait, God is my emotion? If you're saying wait, God is love, yeah, then yes. You're the one who says God is no, love. No, 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 no. I don't, I don't think my emotion is God's definition of love. Okay, so... It, I, know, so I know it's not... Okay, so here's the thing. It, we've said that God is spirit, and we don't really know what spirit was. It's something in the air that, that is completely undetectable, unmeasurable, does not manifest. You then can we, detect it. 
<laughs> you're yeah. claiming that we can, but when we ask you why, how, you're saying about these feelings again, and we've already discussed ah. this and said that the feelings are not valid. And then when we ah, get to the next thing, well, wait, but then you say God is love, and so I reference the thing that we define as love, and you say it's a different kind of love. So I, yeah. I'm trying to figure out what good is it to even use the label love if you don't mean love, if you mean something completely different. Uh well, I mean, some people describe love as sex. No, I'm not talking that. And, and you know, there are different kinds well, that's... of love. The brother love, the child love of your children. And so there are many. And God's love is well, huge. It's huge. How do you love... know this? Yeah, how do you know? How do you know this? You're telling me this, but how do you know this? I mean, um, God's love is huge. Based on what? Like, where are you getting this information? It's what I believe. I know, but I'm asking you why you believe it. Um, because, because it. Because it makes sense. How does How it does make it? sense? You can't because even explain I, it. How is it making sense to you? Because I feel all humans um, should love one another. You just finished saying feelings are not a valid metric for truth. Why do you keep going back to feelings? We, we established early on that a feeling is, does not mean that something is valid and true. Well, you agree that we should all love one another, don't you? Do, that's I, don't, I would have to talk a little bit more about that. It depends. That's, you know, that's I, completely I think irrelevant. That, I think that people should be respected as human beings, certain degrees. But I also think that you know, asking people to love everyone is a little extreme. I'm not sure that people are capable of loving everyone. And, and we're not. We can just try. We can just I'm not sure that it's even wise to yeah. try. I would have to talk more about it. It may be completely you know, not okay to love everyone. But what I'm trying to figure out here is, it, it just seems like you, you believe because you have feelings and even though you know feelings are not valid, you're just going with them. No, they are valid. Uh, we said earlier that you can feel things and they're not always true, that feelings cannot always be true, that they have to correspond to their evidence that demonstrates it's true, such as your husband actually is cheating. There has to be something there to demonstrate well, that. To me, to me, there's evidence and you don't believe. Right, because you attribute things to God without... I mean, you just basically say a baby's born, that's God. You know, a bull eye is, is breeding in someone's stomach. That's just evil. That's just, you seem to just randomly pick and choose, like, whatever it is that you want to go along with whatever you think. And you're not, you're not verifying this against anything. You're not doing any verification. Well, Do you care and, whether it's and true or not? Not only that, but I'm, I'm not sure you have a good understanding of what this verification process entails, because earlier you said that um, your idea of God is beyond our understanding. It is. It is. So on what basis do you believe this entity even exists? If you can't even understand it. Yeah, if you can't understand it, how can you believe it? I can't I can I can't understand it in its totality. I can't understand everything. Well tell me and something you do understand about it. Tell me like I Well she said God's love is huge. That was something she said. She that I cool. understand that we should love one another. Well and and that gets us to God exactly how? I mean, that's, that's, I understand that's a personal belief you have. I don't know that I agree with it, but I mean, I don't see how that's any kind of, of, of evidence because for a God. Just, well, without that, people don't think they have to or necessarily should. And what? Love one another. Well, I don't I know that we necessarily should. I think it would be a much better place if everyone did. If everyone did, but if I, for yeah. example, love everyone, I could really get screwed in that bargain. Yeah. 
So it depends on who you're asking me to love. You know, it's like there's all kinds of things that if everyone did it, it would be great. But if some people go along with, you know, are, are bound by that philosophy and others aren't, they could get really damaged from it, you know. Well, and I'm not, I'm not that you should leave yourself open to, to you know, if someone... Yeah, you it's kind of irrelevant because the point is, how does God relate to all this? And right now, I have no idea. Yeah, I, I mean, you keep saying it's related, but you're not dead anyway. And so I'm wondering, like, the way we, how do, you, how do we tell when a claim is true? If somebody tells you something, how do you assess whether or not claims are true? Do you just say however you feel about whatever they're telling you determines whether it's true I, or not? I listen to... I listen to other people's point of view. I hear what they have to say, and I think, does that make sense to me? Does it feel right? Does it feel right? There are my feelings again, right? So back and to feelings. So you don't really compare it to reality in some way to see, like if I told you that the street light was green and we can cross now, like the, the walk sign is green, we can go. If it felt right to you, you would say that's fine, even if it, you know, the, the sign didn't appear to be green. Well, if the sign wasn't green, it probably wouldn't feel like it was green. You know, not <laughs> it wouldn't feel like... Okay, what I'm saying is the way that we verify what people are telling us, claims that people are making, is we compare them to reality. And right now what I'm trying to do is, is see what is this reality of God that I can compare your claims to. When you tell me God's love is huge, I would like to figure out how I can test that. Like, how do I determine whether what you're saying is accurate? And, and if I can't figure out how to test it, how have you tested it? And if you haven't done anything to verify it, then you're basically saying you just believe things whether it doesn't matter to you. Well, I think what a lot of the tests say, you know, results will come back and they'll, you know, 20 years ago, oh, smoking is great for you. Then, you know, 10 years ago, oh, smoking's bad for you. Oh, eggs are bad for you. Oh, no, they're good right. for you. Right. <laughs> we, can, we can have, but, but the fact is that you have to go with the evidence that you have available to you because if you're not going with the evidence that's available to you, what in the world are you going with? If I'm telling you I, that the light is green, and the light looks red, and you're not going to go with the evidence because sometimes, you know, we don't have full evidence, so maybe something else going on here, and it's just my eyes are messed up, and it really is green, so I'm going to step out into this intersection. The fact that we sometimes do not have complete knowledge of something, and therefore our assessment of it is incomplete and may actually be incorrect, is not a reason why you should just say evidence doesn't not important to test claims against evidence. It's the only metric. How else would you verify a claim? But that evidence is, I mean, the evidence that you shouldn't smoke or that you should smoke, right? I mean, the evidence isn't necessarily like even in an earlier caller, you were saying that, you know, there was evidence about the vaccines and it was and it was validated by a prominent magazine and everybody oh, leave, oh. believed it. And then it was- Well, just, I understand no. what she's saying. I mean, yeah. I get what she's yeah. get, get driving at. It, so, but the point is, if you can't compare, if you say basically sometimes we have incomplete evidence, therefore I'm not going to, to check claims against reality to see whether or not they're true because we can't always trust that we have a complete picture of reality. What in the world would you use to verify claims or are you suggesting we should never try to verify claims against reality? I think that we don't have enough time in our lives to validate every single Right. So, but the important right. ones are real. The ones so that we're going to, to what other people say, 
And right. we hear about what makes sense to us and we form our opinions. But what makes sense to you should align with what you experience in reality, outside your feeling. I mean, despite my, my how it, feelings are part of reality. Our my feelings, feelings are, are real, I agree, but their feelings can reflect an in, and an, our feelings often are not aligned with truth. Right? How we feel about a thing may not be true, but, and we see this all the time. I can have a feeling that my spouse is faithful and they're not. I can feel like they're cheating yeah. and they're not. But what, yeah. what matters is, do you see a difference between a person who says, like we described earlier, my spouse is staying out late at night. My spouse is, seems to be telling me their places where they're not. They're not answering their phone. And I'm starting to wonder if they're cheating. Okay, that's one scenario. The other scenario is my spouse comes home on time every night. He's always picks up his phone when I call. He's always everywhere he wants to be. But I just have this feeling he's cheating. Yeah, I see a difference. Okay. Do you think that one would be wiser than the other? See, but I see evidence that you're not seeing. Evidence <laughs> the, should be available like, to everybody. To what, what good right. is evidence that people can't I, examine? I see trees. I see rain. I see trees yes. as well, but I don't see God. I know, but I do. <laughs> do you see God or do you see a tree? I see God. Why? Where? I mean, if I were seeing things and I could not demonstrate them to anyone else, I mean, how is that not like that, that the, the holiday movie where the guy sees the angel or the rabbit or whatever it is? I mean, Harvey, right? I mean, if, if, if you see it and I'm not seeing it. I can show them to fellow believers. Well, you all, yeah, you all, yeah. But, but what I guess what I'm saying is that the part of, part of what makes testing and experimenting valuable is that it removes subjectivity, right? So you have to have an objective. Is there not, do you not agree that there's an objective reality? Despite what we all believe, there is the truth, right? Like whether or not I'm, I'm holding glasses in my hand is not subjective. The truth is no one has created a tree without a seed no one has created. So what? Yes. Are you That's how it works. People don't do everything. I agree. People are exactly. not responsible to things that exist. I completely agree. I don't exactly. see how that means there's a God. How else? Where is your and evidence again, that God created it? And again, we're, I mean, we're back to... How else? Where's the evidence that he did not? Uh, no, oh, no, 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 okay, there's no. something here called the burden of proof, right? Yeah. I'm not making a claim about how the universe was created, but you're claiming a God created it because people didn't create it, right? Therefore, God created not it. Not only didn't they, they, they can't. Okay, so people can't, so, I can't do lots of things, right? I can't build a rocket that goes to Jupiter. That doesn't mean that if we do one day do that, that a God, if people can't do many things, the gauge of whether or not a God exists is not people can do everything or else a God exists. God gave, God gave them the knowledge to build the ship. My point here well. is that just because people can't do everything does not mean a God exists. Why would, why would what I can be evidence for the existence of a God? Why are limits on my capacity evidence of anything other than limits on my capacity? So, you know, as I said earlier, we are, we are all created uniquely, right? And we all have our, and we all have our weaknesses and we, we are, what's the word, supplement each other, complement, we complement each other. We can, yes. Uh, yeah. And I mean, to me, that's another 
to me, that's another example of, of you know, they're for our gifts, for our talents that we're given, no matter what they are. How is this I mean, a demonstration yeah. of a God? Because he gives us our talents. Okay, if I Where say to you, if I say to you that there's a magic gremlin that gives us our talents, or that my cat gives us our talents, I mean, because I feel like he does. I think my cat loves everyone, and his love is huge. <laughs> right? I mean, prove to me that I'm wrong. I can't. So, do you and think I, that's I, reasonable I, of I, me? Well, when I first called in, I, I told you I won't be able to prove this to you. And I that it was there for, if you can't demonstrate it to me, then I don't know why you feel it's been sufficiently demonstrated for yourself. Because uh, it goes back to the feelings. I can feel God within me. And we've already said that the yes. feelings are not valid measures for truth. Well, you've said that. We agreed <laughs> no, to it no, earlier in the show. We agreed that, we, that just because we feel a thing does not mean that it's accurate. That a feeling well, that something is true does, does not correlate to truth. And I've and we've also well I've also said that the love as we know it is not God's love right which means it. that God has something that I don't even know what it is that you're calling love not it's like I don't even, I mean I that helps me not at all well, I, I wish I could help you I, I do wish I could help you yeah I, I think if you understood more about what you believed you might be able to explain it a little more thoroughly but right now it seems like this is very some vague stuff with no evidence and you're just believing it because it feels good that's how it's coming I across I, I don't mind feeling good I don't mind feeling well, I don't mind feeling good either but I don't gauge whether or not what I feel is you know accurate as far as if whether it's reflecting I could be a nothing to fear you know I mean feelings just don't mean feelings are a result of what we're experiencing generally and when people start to say I'm experiencing something that is completely un uh, I don't even know what to call it that does not manifest in any way shape or form um, I don't the even know. The previous caller who was talking about the AA meetings and how they were pushing God. And if it helps, if it helps them, and you say it doesn't help them. No, it doesn't. It doesn't, it doesn't help them. But, but I imagine to start out with a few people, maybe it helps. And if it helps, why not? Why not? I mean, I had because I had it doesn't help. because you can harm people by yes. offering them help that doesn't help, right? So let's say that I have a bunch uh -huh. of people coming to me for help, and I'm not really helping them, and then a couple you know, people I, actually I, get something from it, but the rest of the people are just wasting their time thinking that I'm going to help them, and as a result, they're not going and getting help because they think I'm helping them, but I'm really not. I That's had harm. back surgery, and before I went into my back surgery, I was in such pain with my back. And, you know, my mother-in-law was like, oh, well, I have a friend whose husband in Mexico swears by this, these things, you metal, they're magnets, and you put them on the back, and it draws them in your blood to your back and helps heal it. And I'm like, I'll try it. <laughs> I've never had much faith in chiropractors, but you know what? I went to a chiropractor. I'm like, I'm in pain. I will try. I will try anything that takes this pain away. Yeah, people and, get desperate and, yes. and people and people prey on desperate people. I completely agree. And I mean, not I, I wasn't going to pay any money, you know, for the I'd pay I paid the money for the chiropractor, but you know, it wasn't an exorbitant fee. Yeah. Mostly covered my insurance, but but you know, it, it, if it helps them even temporarily, I, I don't I don't see the harm in it. 
Because they aren't helped. I mean, that's the, that's the problem, is a lot of people are being fleeced. Basically saying it's okay to fleece 100,000 people because, you know, 20 of them oh, oh, thought they walked away him. feeling better. Is it? He doesn't charge any money. They don't charge money. Who doesn't charge money? Hey. They're not fleecing people. You are, you are using their, I mean, time is a resource, right? When right. You, when you take that, somebody's time and when you stop them from going to get real help, because you, it's like a faith healer. If I'm going to this faith healer and I'm not going to see a doctor, that's harmful. Well, okay, so uh, although I feel like half the time they don't know what they're doing and it's not their fault because we're all created different and we're all just guinea pigs and what works for one person no, doesn't necessarily work for another person. <laughs> no. Um, you disagree that what works for one person works for another? No, I, I, I don't disagree I, I with do, that. I do agree that in general, you know, you're going to have exceptions to yeah. treatments and cures. I get that. But I, I can right. pretty well, you know, there are certain things that kill people that they don't survive. And there are other things right. that are treatable. And we can actually pinpoint yeah. what people will successfully respond to treatment, even if there's a certain percentage that don't. And when yeah. you're but using... When you use a treatment I that shows no heard, efficacy. I would never tell people not to go to the doctor. I'm just saying when you go take it with a grain of salt. And I'm saying that when somebody <laughs> says, I'm offering you help, and they're not really helping, that time, be. no, because you can I test whether or not a thing helps, right? I mean, you can I, actually I check. To, I went to AA meetings when I was 17. I got a DUI and I was ordered by AA meetings. And you know what? Well, I didn't want to go and I didn't really, I mean, I didn't want to be there. I would say it helped. Why would you say, what did it help you do? It helped me, you know, realize that I'm, <laughs> there's a higher power that we have to turn things over to. But, but you already believed that. I, I believed it, but it reinforced it. Okay, so I wasn't I wasn't acting on it. Sometimes I believe things like I know what I should eat, but I don't eat what I know I should eat. Okay, <laughs> you know, and so you had a youthful indiscretion, and you did something that lots of seventeen-year-olds have probably done. You got caught. You right. went to an intervention program that's noted for its um, ineffectiveness, and. <laughs> You went on to never do, do that shit again, which most people don't. Why do people, so many people go if it's not effective? Because they believe the bullshit. And they're well, court ordered into this, which is another, another problem. It doesn't matter. I guess that's the point is it doesn't matter if you believe it. You can go look at the numbers. You can go yeah. look at the figures of people that are actually, that actually stay off these drugs and alcohol when they go through these programs versus what and they're claiming. It's probably not zero percent. And you can look at people who get no treatment and you can compare that group, right? You can compare different mm -hmm. groups who have gotten no treatment, who have gotten this treatment, who have tried to look at the results and yeah. compare them. This isn't just like a black hole where it's anybody's guess. There's data. And I guess that's what I'm saying. When you have competing claims, how do you resolve it? You resolve it by comparing those claims to reality and determining who it is that's telling you the truth. And you just don't see that. You seem more inclined to go with your feelings, which 
that's, if that's what you're going to do, that's what you're going to do. But feelings are not a good metric for truth. Okay, until they turn out to be right. No, they're still well, not a good metric for truth. Not. You know, I because can, how you get there, how you get to the conclusion matters. It's just like with the gumballs in the, in the glass jar, right? If I if somebody comes out and says are there there's an odd number in there, I have no reason other than just I just feel like there's an odd number and I say, "Okay, I believe you. I accept that is true because of your feeling." And then we count it and it's odd. That doesn't mean that I that I used a valid method to get there. It just means I got lucky that it turned out to what I, my conclusion, this is what I was saying before, the conclusion can be correct for really bad reasons. You can, you can use horrible reasoning and still come up with the right answer sometimes, but it's not because of the reasoning. But maybe that's reasoning. not horrible reasoning. Maybe, maybe it's not horrible reasoning. Maybe it is because be be, there would be no way to know the difference between a feeling you have that came from God and a feeling you have that you just felt. There is no way to tell the difference between those two things. I don't know. To me, it, I can. It feels like I can tell the difference. It feels <laughs> like you can tell. You're using you like you can tell the difference between the feelings that God is letting you feel versus the feelings you have that are just feelings. And the, the, but there is no, there is no objective reality that demonstrates that you're correct in what you feel is correct here. And that's the problem. You're just, it's subjective. You're just basically going but, and you're not applying any reason or, or comparing it to actual evidence. And you're actually giving arguments for rejecting what evidence would be available. It's very, it's, it, I, I don't know how you would live your life if you treated all things like this like to buy a house and the owner is someone I don't know and they tell me the house is in good shape, I'm not going to say, oh, cool, well, then I don't need to spend all that money to get somebody to come in and, you know, check it out. Check out your no, house. No, because, because they're human, right? And they... But you could have you a feeling that they're telling you the truth. <laughs> yeah, I still want the house checked. I don't care if I love the house. I don't care if I feel like God wants me to have this house. The fact <laughs> is, I want somebody to come in there and do the, the checks and make sure that the wiring is okay, that this thing is built all right, that the foundation is solid. I'm going to have somebody come in and check that because my feelings are not the best way to tell if this house is in good shape. And I think that if I honestly felt, honestly felt that God wanted me to have this house, that, you know, something was just compelling me to this. You would buy it sight unseen, it right? Uh, my dad bought a house sight unseen. Taking a risk, aren't you? Um, maybe, Isn't that a big risk? <laughs> would you advise somebody to buy a house without getting it inspected? Would you tell somebody that's a smart thing to do? In ordinary circumstances, I would... In any circumstance. When is it not smart to have an inspector come in and check the house? When somebody feels compelled for some reason they don't understand, by God, perhaps, or they just think, they just know. There's so you don't know where don't this is coming from. It could be some childhood neurosis driving it. But you think idea to go ahead and buy this house sight unseen and not get an inspection. What, why wouldn't you want to compare it to reality? If, if, you, if the inspector came back and said, the foundation is completely shot, this house is not going to be standing in another two years, would you say, I trust my gut and I'm just going to buy it anyway because I really think God will buy it? Would you really do that? 
I I cannot say because I'm not in the circumstance that, I, and I don't feel compelled right now to buy a house with a poor foundation. But I know that there are many stories from many people who did things um, without explanation, possibly didn't even want to do, and something amazing affected other people. And so you things, you're saying right those now, are anecdotes, right? But I mean, what but you're basically saying is. I would, I'm not sure whether or not I would buy a house if the inspection said that this thing is falling apart, that I don't know if I would or not. And to, because my feelings drive the decision to such a degree that I can't know that I would do what the evidence would very strongly advise against doing, that, you know, that I think the house is going to be fine because I think that... Because I have faith and trust in God that he has some reason for wanting me to. For wanting you to buy a house with a shot foundation. And there's the harm of religion. But no, not necessarily. Yes, no, necessarily. Yes. I mean, you just demonstrated yes. it, that people will make unwise decisions because of gut feelings about you're God with no evidence. You're assuming it's unwise. It's unwise it's to buy a house that you're, gonna, that you're purchasing and you think you want to get this house and the house is in crap condition. Now, if you're a flipper, maybe that's a great thing for you. But if you're just purchasing yeah. the house, I mean, what you're basically saying is, I'm going to go with my gut, despite the evidence. My religious views compel me in that you direction. Don't the end of the, you don't know the end of the story. Neither do you. Neither do you. That's why it's a risk. Exactly. And so what you're basically saying is you would make a, a decision that appears to be unwise because of a gut feeling over evidence. And you asked earlier, harm of religion, and I'm telling you that's it. Because you think having faith and trust in God is a bad thing. When it compels you to yes. say, I'm not sure if I would do something that is unwise because of my gut over evidence, yes. Yes. Well, I guess we'll agree to disagree. My gut tells me this pastor didn't molest all the kids in the church, right? So I don't care that there's all the children coming forward and telling me otherwise. God has told me that he's innocent. I mean, this is the thing. When you trust your gut over evidence... This is the harm I, of religion. You no, know, I'm sure if all coming forward and saying this. No, because I mean, what we're talking about is following your gut instinct over evidence. And you're saying you would do that probably. You're not sure that you wouldn't. And I'm saying that's the harm. That is why faith healing people don't what? take their children to the hospital. Because they feel. All these, these children come forth and the guy was innocent. No, I'm not saying that that's not possible. What I'm saying is that so, when you so use... I condemn him without evidence because my gut tells me he's innocent. The because children's all children are statements saying, are evidence. Yeah, I, I'm saying that when you have evidence to the contrary, when you're saying you have an inspector, look, I mean, what if you have video of him molesting the children and God is telling you he didn't do it? I mean, at, at what point no. do you finally say, no. I don't no. care what's in my that gut? What do you mean that can't no, that happen? Children die because their parents believe God wants them to faith heal kid. Children die over this, over God telling people that they shouldn't take their child to a doctor, that they should just sit and pray over the kid. And the kid died. And according to you, that may be a really good thing. And we're just not seeing the end of it. No. I yes. How do you know that I that's not a good thing that God is playing? It's a part of God's child is supposed to die. And then something really good is going to come out of it, just like the messed up house foundation. 
How can you tell me that you know that the child dying was not in the best interest of everyone else? Well, it's possible you would bring him to the hospital and he would still die. It is possible. Yeah. So should we assumption? But I'm not saying that that would benefit someone else. I'm not saying that child would benefit. I'm just saying, you know, I agree. P people die in horrible situations. Right. And horrible. sometimes they die because somebody's, somebody's religious belief compelled them to think the best thing to do to not get them medical help. And I totally disagree when someone's belief harms other people. Because Why? Why? You just finished God. saying that even if it appears to be a harmful thing, it might be good and we don't know. So why would you condemn anybody for doing anything in the name of God? I say that. I didn't say even though it appears to be harmful, it might be good. I'm not saying it's good that a, a guy molests. Children. You're saying you that. said that it was it might that I should think that it might be good if the house is falling apart and you buy it anyway, right? This is a but situation where. Who, what do you mean it's different? In that you and anybody that lives could potentially be hurt. Live in the house. I didn't say I was going to live in. What if God told you to live in the house? I mean, come on. You're basically saying you would do whatever God is telling you to do, and then you're saying that That's if something true. bad happens from it, it might just be a larger good that we don't see. And we need to look ahead to the possibility that this is a good, this could be a good thing we don't know because we don't see the I whole don't picture. Believe, I also told you that God is love and I don't believe if anything is telling me to do something bad, it is not coming from God. Did God tell people to kill a bunch of people in the Bible? People, you know what? <laughs> Did he? Yeah. I think that some of the Bible is um, storytelling. Okay, so if okay, you feel so like it's part of the Bible that you should listen to, then you do. And if you feel like it's not part of the Bible you should listen to, then you don't. I, I mean, I don't know that this call is going to get anywhere because basically this is just about you do what you feel. And when when it suits you to say that a negative thing could turn into a positive, you're down with it. When when it sounds really egregious, then you're not down with it. It's like this is just not even, there's no not even consistency, yeah. like an internal consistency to your reasoning. So, that I can I mean, find. We're, we're actually over time here, but um, Diana, what it sounds like to me is that you were heavily indoctrinated into your religion by your very religious parents at a very young age. And you just haven't given that too much thought since then. Cause, well, uh, because I, I enjoy it. Well, I have no reason to want to give it up. Yeah, yeah, heroin addicts enjoy it too. But you know, it doesn't mean that it's a good idea. And I really think you should give this some more thought because you're, you're not even presenting a coherent explanation for what it is you believe. Uh, I mean, you claim to be a Christian. We mentioned the fact that God commanded genocide in the Bible and suddenly you don't think that that's real. So I'm, I'm not sure who you are, but I, I think you well, probably should give this some more thought. Okay. All right, and I, I mean, it, yeah, and if your son has agreed to go to a pastor, I hope he got his money's worth on this one. Okay, good. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, Thanks. thank you for taking my call. And I'm kind okay, of bye -bye. up in the air about... Yeah, let's oh, Yeah, sure. Okay, so we have a lot of people waiting on the phone, and I kind of, it's like on the one hand, I apologize to the callers that called in. On the, on the other hand, I think that was a, a good call to take, especially because there's somebody behind the scenes there that is, you know, trying to yeah. deal with this person, right? Like, I can't even imagine what that must be, yeah. to live with this. So yeah, we, I think what we were trying to do there was really help somebody out. And, um, and I'm gonna say that, uh, 
I, I'm not sure that I would have done it differently if I yeah. knew the call was going to take the whole show because this is somebody that really needed some some support, I think. Yeah. And uh, to apologize, we do have some other interesting calls that you know might, I definitely don't think we'll have um, time for. I, you know, I'll just shout out to Mark. I wish I, I had you know gotten to your call as well. I didn't know what was going to happen when I took Diana. Um, but I, it's not for lack of wanting to talk to you, but I think that that particular topic is probably going to be have to hold over for when there's more time, and I think it's worth exploring. So please, uh, Mark, I would say call back another time because um, I think you, you deserve more time than we would have. And yeah, if there's an audience question, let's let's throw one out there. Hello. Hey. Uh, hi. Uh, to be so close to this... Uh media experience. My name is Nevin and um, I'm a Austin resident. Uh, I'm currently running for political office, uh, so beware, um, president. So I'm really thinking about national level stuff. Okay. My question is around the recent decision by uh, a Malaysian politician to broach the topic of outlawing atheism and what the atheist community in the United States uh, should do about the outlawing of this particular belief system I, abroad in I, a majority. I don't know that we have anything we can do about what other countries do. I mean, we can openly condemn it. You know, yeah. you can try to, to bring attention and explain why it's a bad thing to be shutting down people's, you know, beliefs or trying to shut it down. You can't really shut it down, right? It's what right. people believe is what they believe. You can't, you can, you can pass all the laws you want to pass, but you're I not going to make it illegal to believe something yeah. or not. I mean, it's illegal it. to be an atheist in Saudi Arabia, mm -hmm. and yet there are atheists in Saudi Arabia. And they and they're and they're in danger. You know? Yes, I mean, they're, they they're are people in danger, and that's I think that's a big part of what we need to make awareness, right? So, it's really slow going. It seems sometimes like we're not making strides in some of these countries, and I would say that you have to kind of look at the little steps, right? Like women driving um, in Saudi, and it's a small thing, but <laughs> I guess it's not small when you didn't used to be able to drive. Yeah. I'm just going to move it. <laughs> I still have one left. Um, I don't know that I'm much help beyond that. I mean, the thing bringing yeah. awareness, like you say, you're running for politics, um, you know, making sure that our political uh, leadership understands our feelings about it, that if we're going to be allies with a particular country and help them, that we should press, you know, we should use that leverage to press those countries to do the right thing when it comes to humanitarian or, you know, calls for equity. Yeah. I mean, so. it's a basic rights issue, so... I mean, we can speak out on that. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, let's see if we have anything quick here. Let's see. Um, I'm going to go with Kanan. It's weird because I feel like, hey, Kanan, this is Tracy and Jen. And I'm, I'm going to say, it's like, right. I feel like, I feel like personally, I talked to Jen a little bit about your call before we took it, and I don't know that we can actually help you, but the reason I want your call to be on is because we got a call, a similar call a few back, and it's something that I know that some people struggle with. So even though Jen and I can't relate, so, so just to be clear, he's, 
this is about fear of death, Yeah, right? we're going to let him describe yeah. it. But I'd like you to just sort of explain exactly how this experience is for you um, and, and what the issue is. Um, well, basically, it's just like we live on this planet for about 80 or 90 years. Mm -hmm. And then after that, like when we die, that's it. All of our consciousness is gone, mm -hmm. like forever, right. forever and ever. Like, yep. right. it'll never come back, like, not even in a billion trillion right. years. Like, right, done. It's eternal. Came yeah, over. no, I mean, you're totally, I, I would agree with that. I mean, you know, I mean, I guess there's, if something weird happened in a billion trillion years and they could recall consciousness, that could change. But from what we know right now, I, I tend to agree with you that what you just described, my understanding, you know, in a, in a general nutshell. And this freaks yeah. you out, right? Yeah, I mean... Um, I, it's been about a month or so, and, um, I've had this, I've had this fear before, but I feel like now it's getting really stronger and it's, it's been a torment on my life for about a month. So, um, are you tormented by, um, the fact that you don't have any conscious memory of anything that happened before you were born? Um... No, not really, because... I mean, like, all this shit happened. Like, stuff happened for, for, like, billions of years before you were born, and you you never experienced it. You weren't even aware of it. It's like, it, you know, for you, it didn't even happen. And that doesn't bother you? No, because, I mean, I was never conscious of that stuff. Okay, and so after you're dead, you won't be conscious of anything that happens after that. It, it, it just, there's... It's just like before you were born. Yeah, but I mean, as I'm alive now, like I have to deal with that end, you know? But do you? Don't. You? <laughs> you don't. I mean, all you have to do is live your life. I mean, it's, I think maybe it's Richard Dawkins that says, you know, you won the cosmic lottery. You get to be here. For as long as yeah, you're think here. of all the people that won't be here. I think is how he puts it. You know, yeah. all the millions of people and billions and like uncounted, untold numbers that will never exist. Um, and I guess for me, I, one of the the analogies I've heard Matt use is that you know lots of things in life are enjoyable even though we know they have an end, right? So you go to a really fantastic meal, for example, and you you get served and it's this great meal and you enjoy the entire meal start to finish, and then you have to leave, but. It's almost like is showing up at the restaurant going, I can't even enjoy this meal because I know that it's going to be over. And it's weird because I, all these analogies make sense to me, but I know that for a person in your position, it doesn't seem to have an impact. And that's kind of I, what I find fascinating is that for some reason, these analogies don't hit home with the person that, is in, that has your mindset. Because I've talked to people that describe what you're describing, and none of this helps them. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel bad, but at the same time, what I'm going to suggest is, you know, I'm going to send you to the blog, right? Go to the show blog, freethoughtblog forward slash AXP, yep. um, and, and just post, post this. If you haven't posted there before, you'll need to be moderated. So if you post and it doesn't show up, it just means somebody's got to moderate it, let it through. Um, but I would really like it if there are other people. If I could find somebody who had this kind of existential dread of and was not helped by any of these types of analogies, 
but somehow found a way to cope and get past it and get on with their life and be happy about it and deal, you know, just deal with it. I would really like them to get onto the blog and help with some advice here because I don't know. I, I, have, I have nothing I can think of that's like, well, what about if you look at it like this? They're just like, yeah, it doesn't help. So I don't know how to help you, but I can't imagine there cannot be a person out there who has had this issue and somehow um, come to a resolution, a positive resolution, where they are able to advise other people. And if you're out there, please post your solution to the blog because there's struggle with this. Mm. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I'm really sorry. I, but I, like I said, I wanted this to co go through because I, I, you know, I feel for all of you. It's like, people get very terrified and, and fixated on it. Well, I mean, I had, I've had about the same experience about a year ago. Mm -hmm. And an analogies like that helped me to get past it and to get over it. And then I just didn't think about it at all. Okay. And then you I saw something? That. Did you see something that clicked it in again? Can you say that again? Did you experience, find a video, or did something trigger this again? Um, not really. It wasn't really a video. It was more like... It was just a thought. Okay, so you like just had a random thought, and it just set it all off. Yeah, I, I like I said, I have a, I have a good friend who struggles with this, and he experiences periods where it's fine, and then he'll have a dream, or he'll come across some video where someone's talking about death, and then he goes into this again. So it's so. I mean, one other thing to think about, and and I don't know if it happened at about the same time last year, but it, it might be some kind of seasonal depression that you're in, if so, then, you know, maybe talk to your doctor about that or, you know, see a counselor, see if there's um, a way to talk through this. And maybe, you know, I don't know, maybe your doctor might prescribe some medication or something to help you deal with it. Um, a lot of people experience seasonal depression, especially around the holidays. And like I said, I don't know if it's about the same time frame, but if so, that might be contributing to this. Do you think that could have anything to do with it? Do you tend to get depressed around the holidays? Um, no, I never really experienced okay. it at okay. this time period. I, I got, I mean, for me, the idea that one day I'll be gone and people will forget everything I did is sometimes a really yeah. <laughs> Good, you can forget those parts, right? Like, that's, you know, that's probably a good thing that no one's going to remember some of this stuff. Wish I could forget it. <laughs> yeah. All right. But, um, um, yeah, like... Um, I've heard um, death kind of analogized as like the eternal sleep, but like, how how can you be comfortable with being asleep forever and you know never waking up again? Yo, I would. <laughs> that's like my heaven. Right? <laughs> like, I'm just gonna just let me go to bed and tell me don't set the alarm and I'll be fine. Uh, if I could just go to sleep, but I would be dreaming, you know, and that's so it's not quite the same. I yeah. mean, some some parts of sleep you don't dream, so yeah. maybe it's not a bad comparison. But I don't remember those parts because I'm not conscious. So, all right. Um, well, anyway, yeah, go post at the blog, and I apologize to the other callers. Uh, I know I did take it was very long, um, but we're going to go ahead and wrap and. Uh, Hopefully, we were able to help someone who now has to go see a pastor. And thank you to the audience, the cast, the crew, to everybody. We're going to go to Star of India on Anderson Lane, and we'll be there between 6 and 6.30. And I think this is
Hi, this is Russell Glasser, host of The Atheist Experience. You know, The Atheist Experience is made possible by volunteers and the generous support of viewers like you. If the promotion of positive atheist culture and separation of church and state are values that hold, please consider contributing by becoming an ACA member or visiting our product page at EvolveFish.com under the Partner tab. Thank you.